Josh, I'll get you elected in a minute, but there you go. Now, you might be thinking, who is this random person on the stage with Rich? This is Josh. I've known Josh for about five years, I think. Yeah. We've met through WTC, but Josh um, leads Emmaus Road Woking. Josh is also part of one of our close friends within the 24-7 network. Now, you might not be aware, but as a church, we are part of the 24-7 Prayer Communities Network, and Josh um, is our close friend. He sits on that leaders team, um, and we're just really privileged to have you, Josh. Um, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. I got uh, lost. You, you did get lost. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was trying to phone Andy, but Andy's phone wasn't on. Or he was in here where you don't get any signal. Yeah. But luckily your phone. My, my phone is... Were you is late it, as well? No, no, my no, phone's you, anointed by God. Okay, in this room, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, I've actually been here before, but I don't know how I got lost <laughs> this morning. I kept saying, you've arrived at Revs, you've arrived at Revs, and I was by the giggling squid. So. Yeah, I mean, you get some good food there, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, quite close, but... <laughs> Still late, but good to be here. Thanks for having me. So good to have you. Josh, just give us a little bit of introduction to you. Yeah, so Josh is my name. I'm married to Emma. I think we've got a picture of the fam. Yep, Hannah's on it. Any second. There we go. There they are. So, uh, yeah, I'm the one with the beard. Uh, then we've got Em and uh, Jackson and Jonas. Jackson is nine and a half and Jonas is actually nearly four now. Wow. So, uh, yeah, that's the family. Um, we moved from Southampton, which is where we were living, uh, to do the church plant in Woking. Pete Gregg, if you know him, uh, he texted me in January 2017 saying, uh, would you come to the Isle of Wight to have a beer with me? Uh, I've got a plan for Woking. You might have heard it from your brother Adam, who was on staff at Emmaus and 24-7. Um, uh, at the time, he said, you might have heard the plan, but just wondering if you and M would come and have a beer with me on the Isle of Wight. I want to talk to you about uh, an idea I've got for Woking. Uh, so we jumped on a ferry, went over to Cowes, had a beer, and he talked about what happened in Emmaus Road, Guildford, and how it had grown, and they were looking to plant into Woking, which was, if you don't know the geography, it's a town about five miles from, from Guildford. Uh, we said yes uh, to that. We, we got interviewed. It wasn't just in the pub where we had the interview, although that sometimes <laughs> does happen within church, stuff like that. Um, we had an official interview as in we went to a house uh, of the elders team in the march. Uh, and it's kind of a funny thing when you have like church interviews because we showed up like, I was like, what do I wear? So I showed up in a suit and you get there and then people like got slippers on and it's like this <laughs> formal, informal moment. Um, and, uh, yeah, they asked if we would leave Southampton. We were, uh, I was on staff at an Anglican church just outside, uh, just outside Southampton, a place called Fair Oak called St. Thomas's. I was the associate minister there. And uh, so we, we left and we moved to Woking to, uh, to do this plant. Amazing. So I first met Josh doing WTC, and, um, which, is, which is a theology college. I recommend it. That's a, t- it's a topic for another day. But yeah. my memory of Josh was him opening his Bible and his Bible being the most multicolored thing I'd ever seen. Literally just pages and pages of everything highlighted, different phrases highlighted, different things, and just being just wowed by just how much you love the Word of God. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that really impacted me. So I'm, I'm really excited for what you have to share today. Yeah. Um, so... I'm going to get off the stage. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to disappear and leave you to it. So let me just pray for you. Lord God, I thank you for Josh, and I thank you for what you've given him to speak to us today. Mm. Lord, I pray that he would have ears to hear um, this morning, Lord God, Mm. where you're taking him. And I just pray, Father, that he would bless us, but he would also be blessed by being here, Lord God. Thank you for what you've prepared in his heart. 
would it, um, anoint our souls today, God. Amen. 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 Yeah, to be honest, one of the uh, jokes that Em will make is uh, she'll be like, do you want to go and colour your Bible in? Rather than do you want to go and read your Bible? So, uh, yeah, that's uh, part of what I do. Uh, I recommend doing that. If you haven't got a Bible that you're willing to write in, then uh, buy a new Bible that you don't mind writing in because uh, I think it's important. I think Hannah's going to do this. Yeah, so uh, I connected with Hannah this morning. We have got a bunch of slides that are going to help us all. So uh, um, we haven't practiced, so we're going to be doing it just in real time, just live. So uh, pray for us that we get this done. Um, so yeah, really great. Just get this sorted. I'm just going to grab my water, which I left down here. Um, if you've got a Bible, then uh, why don't you open to Matthew 4? We're going to go from verse 18. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. You can share with the Christian next to you. It's a joke. It's a joke, guys. It's going to be a bit like that this morning. Um, that joke also doesn't go very well in Woking. Um, they don't really like it. Don't know why I keep saying it, but... I think it's to try and help the church remember to bring their Bibles to church because I don't go to the gym without my running shoes. You know, we show up intentionally to do what we're here to do. And we're going to open up the Bible this morning and we're going to be looking at it. Don't worry if you don't have it, though, because the slides will come up on the screen. So I'll give you a moment to find it. Brilliant. We're going to get to that bit in a bit. But, um, yeah, just to tell you the story because... Um, Andy asked me to, uh, to come here and share, and he wanted a, um, <clears throat> so he wanted me to talk a little bit about mission, and uh, just the church being evangelistic, and um, if I go back to that moment with Pete Gregg, when he invited both me and Em and the boys to, well, actually, there was only Jackson at that time we moved, but to, to leave Southampton and to move to Woking, what he said to me is, um, here's the job spec, here's the role description. I want you to pastor who you've got and reach who you haven't. That's what he said back in March 2017. He said, here's the job spec. And so really that has been what we've tried to do in Woking. That's what we've done. We've wanted to emphasize family. We wanted to build a community of disciples where people show up to uh, be served by one another, to serve one another, to bring their strength, to bring their pain, to bring their abilities, to bring their skills, and to really just show up as family, but that we wouldn't just be a family that get together. We don't have a cool building like this. We meet in a school. Um, so when I get here, I do have a bit of building envy, because uh, it is cool to have your own venue. Um, but the goal wasn't to just like huddle together and hope that we would survive. It would that um, we would be a family that, that love each other, that are for each other, but also that we feel called cool to reach the town of Woking, that the reason why Mayus Road planted in Woking ultimately was a missional decision to reach the town of Woking. And so really this has been what's formed the boundaries, the vision, the goal, what we've been aiming at since 2017. And the way I describe it is, um, and I really feel it's like how you can read the book of Acts, is we're a family on mission. That's what you feel like. And so we're co-creating together, we're figuring out what it looks like, but we are here as a church in Woking looking to punch above our weight with a measurable difference in the town of Woking, and that's really what we've been doing since 2017. And um, um, we've been really inspired by a book called Scattered Servants by a pastor who's now in America called Alan Scott. And um, the book really captured us as a church family, really 
uh, I suppose, gave us some inspiration as to who we felt like we were called to be and what we were called to do. And one of the lines in there that sort of we come back to all the time is uh, this conviction that ultimately God isn't sending people to church. What he's doing is he's sending church to the people. And so when we gather like this, we gather to encounter God together, to be inspired, to be encouraged, but ultimately to be fueled for the mission that God has given us to go out into the city, into the spaces and the places that we're in. And so this book, um, we decided to write a teaching series around it called Go, that in the Great Commission, this is the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion, we are... Uh, we felt like that is what we wanted to adopt, that we would be people that would go into all the world and make disciples. And so um, pre-pandemic, we did the Go series. We did four Sundays just looking at what it was to be a family on mission, to be uh, a church with an evangelistic edge, looking to always see how we could influence the spaces and the places we were in with the message of the kingdom, inviting people into the story that we are already in. So we did that pre-pandemic, the church was growing, it was all awesome, and then obviously COVID hits, we go into lockdown and we do church on TV, which, to be honest, I think totally sucks. Um, obviously, it's great that some people can, like, we can reach people who can't get to church, but to be honest, we scrambled to try and figure out how you do it, and we did it for about a month, it was all quite exciting and to us quite amazing when we'd have those moments, but quite easy, like it was quite quickly for me that I was like, this just is not why I was put on the planet to build church like this, like church's family were supposed to be together to encourage each other to go into the world. And so um, we obviously, sort of everyone, we got through this pandemic and then we regathered back in June uh, last year and we decided that we really didn't want to lose that even again, probably I suppose after the pandemic, it could be like quite easy to sort of circle the wagons and be like, let's really emphasize pastoring each other and family together. But we're like, no, we don't want to forget what was happening before COVID, that we were a church that was missional. And so we did the Go series again. We went back through these four Sundays just looking at what it was to be missional. And so this is ultimately, to be honest, a message that I've preached quite a few times. It's sort of the first one from that teaching series. And so that is what we're going to look at, this passage of scripture that has been something that has really rooted me as I've thought, I want us as a church to really just emphasize evangelism. And I suppose for all of us, we have places in the Bible that we go back to that have spoken to us, places that we've highlighted a bunch of times, <laughs> wrote and on a couple of, like quite a few times, just things that have spoken to us. Um, and this has been a passage. And so we're going to read from verse 17. Each verse will come up on the screen. So I'm going to just get it here. So Matthew 4, I'm going to go from verse 18. So I'm going to walk through verse by verse. It says this, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. 
So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Amen. Why don't we pray? Yeah, God, we thank you for the moments that we get to gather like this. Holy Spirit, we honor your presence here in this venue. God, I thank you for that um, just powerful moment of encounter as we just remember that poem about footprints. And God, I thank you that you carry us. And I pray for anyone here that it just feels like you're in a season of being carried, that um, it would be a season of being carried. That there be a moment where you feel, even this morning, that you'd feel strength coming back into your body. Strength to walk again. And so we just pray for that grace in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So a little bit about me is I absolutely love American food. Like barbecue, burgers, hot wings, the whole thing. Absolutely love it. And when I was 18, to celebrate finishing school, we went out to America to do Disneyland and Orlando, Universal, all this. And I got to eat at this restaurant for the first time ever in my life. Hard Rock Cafe, this is where we were, and I went in there, never experienced anything like this. You might have been there, you might not have been there. Just to give you some context, you walk in, it is like uh, just like American barbecue, all that's going on, but it's all themed around rock and roll. So you walk in, and there's like famous people's guitars on the wall, there's like famous clothes hanging on the wall as well. Um, and it's like a real experience, there's music playing, the whole deal, and it's just so busy. And um, we went in, I'm 18, thinking this is awesome, and we get shown to our table, and our waiter or server, as they are called out there, came over to us as a family, and I look up, and I'm like, this guy is one of the coolest guys I've ever seen. So he comes up, and he's got the bleached hair, he's got ripped jeans, He's got, at the time, I think this was like pretty fashionable, he had like four sweatbands. Like, and I'm like, this is legit. I cannot believe that he's allowed to wear this. So anyway, he comes over, and uh, I won't do an American accent, um, but he's like, hey, y'all. See why I won't do it, this doesn't work. So, uh, so he comes over, and um, he takes our order. And the thing that was just so inspiring by this moment is he didn't get out uh, a waiter's pad at all. He took the whole thing just by memory. This super cool guy has just remembered our whole order. Now, I've got quite a big family. Um, there are, I've got four brothers. Okay, so he's remembered like quite a big order um, in that moment. So I'm like, man, this is awesome. So I'm like, I'm inspired by this. And the reason why it was like specifically inspiring to me is because um, we were on holiday, but when we weren't on holiday, this is where I worked. Bit different. I worked at the Captain Digby down in Thanet, uh, Ramsgate, Margate, Broadstairs, that's where I grew up. Um, now, the Captain Digby, uh, you might look here and laugh, and I can see why when you compare it to the Hard Rock Cafe. Um, this pub, one family pub of the year, the year before I started working there. I worked there for five years, we didn't win it again. All the time I worked there. Now, I think one of the reasons why we didn't win it was because of, uh, well, maybe I don't put it all down to what I did, but um, I was inspired by this guy at the Hard Rock Cafe, 
And so we fly back, and I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop taking orders on my waiter's pad. I'm just going to remember everything. So getting there, I wasn't allowed to wear sweatbands, and I definitely wasn't allowed to wear ripped jeans. Uh, obviously, it's fine here this morning. Um, so show up, first day back, got over jet lag. I walk in, and I'm like, I'm going to... Um, yeah, I'm going to serve some tables. So go up, just wait like the notepads away, and uh, just start remembering orders, and then going to the kitchen, going down to the bar, telling them. I'm thinking this is going amazing. And then um, my boss, the manager, says, Josh, can I have a word? Takes me into the kitchen, and it's me and the head chef. I'd only been like doing this shift for about an hour. He said, um, I've heard that you're not uh, writing any orders down. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you've made a mistake on every order you've taken so far. If you carry on doing this, then you're going to have to pay for every mistake out of your own money. So you decide, are you going to carry on or are you going to stop? I looked at him, <laughs> not feeling very courageous. I was like, I'll start writing orders down on my bit of paper. Um, and uh, that was my experience. Um, the reason why I tell you that <laughs> is because it's funny, I suppose, uh, or trying to be funny here this morning. Um, the reason why I tell you that is, isn't it interesting the moments we encounter that disciple us? When we see something that inspires us and we think, I know there's something in me that is drawn to it, I wonder if I could do the same. Now, obviously, in that moment, I couldn't. But we're going to learn that maybe, as Jesus calls us, maybe there is something that he is speaking to the deep parts of who we are, calling out something that maybe we didn't realize was in us. And this passage is the moment where Jesus starts to call the first disciples to come join him on his mission. And the thing about this moment that is really powerful, and we'll see a bunch of things, we'll walk back through this passage, is what I love is that the Bible calls us disciples. It called them disciples then, and we're still called disciples now. Why is that a big deal? It's a big deal for me, and it actually brings loads of freedom to me, because disciple means learner. And if it means learner, then there's a load of grace attached to that word. What it means right now is that I've been following Jesus since I was five. Obviously, with the capacity that a five-year-old is able to say that they follow Jesus, but I remember the night that my mum said to me, do you want to be friends with Jesus? I said, yes, with all the strength that a five-year-old could say. I'm 37 now, and I'm still following Jesus. It is very different from then. The strength that I can say, yes, I follow Jesus with at 37 is really different to a five-year-old. But what I can tell you is that that journey of being a disciple means that I'm in a different place from when I was five to 37. But what I really hope is that as a learner, that right now I don't know everything there is to know about following Jesus. And neither do any of you. Right now, there's still loads you don't know. You're a disciple. You're a learner. We are following an infinite God, which means there's infinite amount for us to get to know. So I feel a bunch of freedom to know that right now I'm at, I am in the right space where I'm supposed to be. But I'm a learner. And so there's a bunch of me to know. So if I do a good job this morning and Andy and the team invite me to come back next year, what I hope is that we'd all be able to say, I know something different from last year. I believe different. I live different. I look different. I have different levels of freedom. I have different amounts of joy, peace, all operating in my life. And in five years, ten years, there's something different that we've learned more, we've grown more, we've become more of what Jesus is calling us to be. And so actually being called a disciple, I find loads of freedom in that, and I hope you do. Why can, can I get an amen? Amen. I'm preaching up here, guys. Let's go. So... Here we go. So, a bit of context for Matthew. Um, Want to do some WTC because Rich is in the room. Um, so, 
Matthew is a synoptic gospel. It was crafted, all the gospels, I suppose, all the writers have a different thing that they're trying to emphasize. And Matthew is trying to emphasize that this long-awaited Messiah for the Jewish audience, Jesus is that. But for the Gentile audience, what he's trying to do is emphasize that this Messiah isn't just for the Jewish audience, it's also for them. And he's also wanting to emphasize that this idea of being a disciple isn't just about experiencing for yourself the benefits of the kingdom. It's also an invitation for those who are being discipled by Jesus to be those who are also talking about the kingdom. Which is why Matthew is going to be a chapter and a book that if you're going to think missionally, it's a book you're going to want to keep coming back to because what you're going to be inspired to do is that we get to not just experience the gospel, but also proclaim the gospel. Amen? Amen, amen. So, Matthew 4, let's go after it. So, at this point in the story, we've had Christmas. We've had all the genealogies. Jesus has been baptized. And he's now starting to proclaim the gospel. And this is where he bumps into the disciples, well, these fishermen, and he's about to invite them to be part of his story. Now, one of the reasons why Andy wanted me to come and speak about this is because we find ourselves, at the beginning of November, with Christmas coming. Drove, drove into Chichester, saw a bunch of Christmas trees already out. Feels a bit early, but my sons are already, when are we putting our Christmas tree up? I'm like, I'm up for it now, but Em's like, not until my birthday, and she's birthday is the 1st of December, so we sort of have to wait for that. Um, but obviously, as we get near Christmas, the thing about Christmas is that it is a moment for us to experience the truth of what Christmas means for us, this gift of Jesus, the incarnation. But also it's a moment in the calendar of the world where the church gets to use that lever to invite people into what you as a church are doing. And so at the beginning of this month, as we start to think about Christmas and our carol services and all of that, is maybe as we think about this passage and being missional and going, is hopefully we feel a sense of courage rising in our hearts to be those that are missional, courageous, to invite people into some of the carol services and some of the different things you guys have got going on. So this is totally strategic, guys. Okay, this was thought through. So uh, that's why I'm up here preaching just a message of evangelism. Okay, so here we go. Verse 17. Well, actually, verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Isn't it interesting that they got called by Jesus to a heavenly destiny while they're at work? We don't always get a moment of destiny encounter, but we do a lot in worship like we had this morning. It's powerful. That's why we show up on a Sunday morning, hopefully, to get ministered to and to minister. But these guys just got invited into destiny while they were at work, busy. And so right now, I just pray for all of us that we would encounter the Lord powerfully tomorrow morning when we're at work. And that Jesus doesn't see your busyness as a thing that he can't interrupt. I'll receive that. Let's keep going. Verse 19. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Isn't it interesting that following Jesus always looks like transformation? Follow me, and I will make you. 
thing is interesting, and that's why we talk about discipleship being such a big deal, that um, this journey that we're all on of following Jesus, all the time I'm following him, there's something about his love for me being something that is transforming me more into the person that I was always created to be. And so right now, if you feel like, man, I feel like I'm changing, or um, you know, sometimes feel like I don't really want to, like I'm up for coming to church, but I'm not sure if I really want to change. It's almost like that's one of the things that we lay down when we say, hey, I want to follow Jesus, is what we're saying is that if he's King Jesus, and he's Lord of all, then that does look like me submitting all of who I am to this life with Jesus where ultimately everything's up for grabs. And who I am and what I believe and what I think is Jesus is going to challenge that. What I think about money, what I think about power, what I think about society, what I think about everything is ultimately these things will start to change. What I also love is, follow me and I'll make you fishes of men, is this heavenly call was given in language that they understood. They were fishermen. And he's just flipped that on his head and he said to them, I want to make you fishers of men. I love that God wants to speak to us in ways that we understand. But what I also think is inspiring for me is when I look at that, is Jesus used language to call these people into relationship with him as a church? Are we thinking through how we are calling people who are far from Jesus into a relationship with Jesus? It's actually worth us all just thinking like, hey, how am I, how are we talking about the life of the church? Does it make sense to Chichester? And actually, I come into this venue and I'm like, I think you guys are smashing it. I mean, it feels amazing as you come in here. I'm like, this is so welcoming, brilliant, and you've got a living wall. Well, we need one of those. <laughs> we have to tell the school to put it in. Um, awesome. So what does our invitation to follow Jesus look like? I think that the other thing, just going back to this, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Obviously, for these guys, they were fishermen. And what they knew about fishing, these guys were professional, they, um, this was their job, is what they knew is that fishing is hard work. They knew that it required strategy. How are you going to do it? They knew that it was daily. It wasn't just something you did sometimes. But what they also knew was that fish don't generally jump in the boat by themselves. There might be those flying fish that really occasionally do it. But generally, it looks like fishermen going out into the water, putting the nets down, working hard, thinking strategically about how it's going to happen. And so for us, as people in 2022... Thinking about being missional, like how can we start to architect the church, but also our own personal lives, to be people that are inviting those who are far from Jesus into a relationship with Jesus. And for us, one of the things that's so exciting is um, that we're doing an Alpha course at the moment. It is actually our lowest attended Alpha course since we started, except for one where no one came. Um, and so we did two weeks and we're like, this is just team. And uh, so we shut it down and canned it. And we like, we need to think again. And we thought again about how we, how we did it. And it was brilliant. But this one has got the most people on it who are pure guests, if that makes sense. 
Now, when you do alpha, if you've not done alpha, it's just like a eight to 12 week course. It just helps people explore faith. Is when we do alpha, to be honest, the story of us has been, it's been mainly church people doing it, which is great. And some people need to do alpha. It helps figure out the foundations of their beliefs. But this one is, they're all guests. And actually, a bunch of them have come from our football ministry. And when I say football ministry, I mean, we just play football on a Monday night. That's all we do. We have a bunch of people from the church, a bunch of guys from the church who do it. But we've created it so that people could invite their friends as a really easy on-ramp into the life of the church. And then when it came to moments like the carol services, we would invite people. And when, people like, and when Alpha comes around, we'd invite them. And we've got a bunch of them who have their experience of church. They're on the crowd. I suppose we have the core the congregation, the community, and the crowd. They're in the crowd area, sphere of church life, but they're making their journey into the life of the church. I'm so excited about that. we thinking strategically, like one of the big things that we need to answer as a question uh, is what do we do with all the Ukrainian refugees that have arrived into Woking? This is an opportunity for us to serve them, bless them. We have a venue called The Lighthouse, which is just an amazing venue. Of, we call it the center of social transformation. It operates on like four levels right in the middle of Woking Town Center. And it was never used to be open on a Tuesday. And now it is open on a Tuesday just for Ukrainian refugees. And there's a bunch of things going on, like English lessons, like helping them find employment, blessing them, giving them the gear they need to try and make home here. And so what we're thinking through is like we need to be strategic. We need to think, like, what resources have we got? And how can we give this message of the kingdom to people who are far from Jesus that need to hear a message of hope now more than ever? Amen. Brilliant. Let's keep going. Verse 20. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. I feel like there's a prophetic thing on this verse for this room. And as I was preparing this, um, I feel like there's uh, almost like an acceleration for people in the room to respond quickly to Jesus' calling on your life. And I almost feel like there's been almost hesitation up to this point. Like you sense like Jesus calling you into something. I don't even know if it's specifically like a missional call, but I think maybe it is. And you've been like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I sense this word immediately is why it's highlighted. Is I think that there's something of like acceleration that's happening this morning. And that Jesus is calling you again. Like this it isn't like a, a punishing thing of like God called you and now you're like, I'm not sure. Um, and you're like, I missed the opportunity. I feel like God's call is coming again. Like this moment, he's coming to you, and there's a sense of your heart quickening, and that there's a, a sort of like a timestamp on it that you're going to immediately respond. And where hesitation has sort of like been part of your story, like quick response is actually going to become part of your story from this moment. What I also see in this passage is they left their nets and followed him is I think that there's something of like discipleship being a pruning call for all of us, that where Jesus is calling us, maybe there's some things that we can't take with us. That the message that we have is a message of power and a message of purity. And that there's some things that we're trying to take with us on our journey of Jesus, and he's saying, hey, if you want to come follow me into all the things I have for you, there's some stuff you need to leave behind. And the interesting thing is this isn't, that, this isn't for everyone because what do we see in the next verse? Verse 21. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. 
And what I mean by that is I feel, I feel like there's a, a grace for immediately responding, but I also feel like there's a grace here for people who you've been, you'd almost call yourself an evangelist. That's been your story up to this point. You've been someone who's thought really missionally, like you're so passionate about the lost, about the church, thinking about those not yet here. Like you love Sundays, but you're also like sort of disappointed every Sunday that there's not more people here who aren't Christian. And you've been doing that for a long time, but to be honest, you've got to the moment now where you're like, I feel a little bit disappointed, jaded, lack of courage. Like you've just had so, you've been doing it for so long that you've almost paused, you've stopped, you've stepped back. But I sense this, this idea of like they're in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. I feel like I want to reframe this season, not as you need to stop being missional, but you're actually in a season of mending your nets. And as a church, maybe you're mending your nets not to never do it again. The reason we mend our nets is to fish again. And so what is it across the life of this church where maybe you're like, to be honest, we've tried this strategy and it's not really worked. And you're like, I'm not saying like, don't do it. I'm just saying like, mend the nets to go again. And what is it that this Christmas you could be thinking, let's do this. Let's try this again because we mended our nets. They're ready to go. And there's a bunch of people that we need to go reach. Verse 22, let's keep going. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Like I said, maybe there's a bunch of things like that we need to put down as we follow Jesus. Some things we're trying to take with us. Maybe there are some relationships. Even like close relationships that, to be honest, we need to like redefine that relationship. Because the call of Jesus on our lives looks like where we're going, maybe this relationship can't go with me. I'll let that hang there. You guys can pass that some other time. Verse 23. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. This is where I want to land this morning. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. What I love is that Jesus is at church. We don't have a synagogue. We have a really legit building like this. But I know for me, I want to be where Jesus is. And where's Jesus? He actually does value gatherings. And when we think about being missional, maybe the first people we need to reach are those who took COVID as an opportunity to do discipleship and church all by themselves in their home watching a screen. And maybe as we've regathered now, they haven't come back. And they're still trying to do church by themselves. Maybe before we start thinking about the loss, and I think we should, maybe it's church family that you see them being regathered for over a year now, and you look around and you're like, they're still not come back. Is maybe they're the first people we need to reach out to and say, hey, there is something significant that you can only get with a bunch of other church family. You can get a lot of it at home, but you can't get the real sweet stuff of being around shoulder to shoulder with church family, pressing into God for a corporate encounter. You can't get that at home. And so this is where Jesus is. He values this. Amen. I feel like I've said that point enough. But here we go. And proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. We called this series Go when we did it. Because what I see in that and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people is there is something of God's power that is only released out on the streets. 
proclaiming the gospel, the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. It's Jesus is here, but he is also out there. And this is where the miracle signs and wonders were happening. They were happening among the people. And so I'd love to land with a story, but I'd love to get the band up so we can just respond, get a bit of a pad going on that Nord keyboard. That's awesome. Um, so uh, get that out of the way. Why don't we stand? Because I feel like God wants to do some stuff with us. Hopefully there was some stuff in there that spoke to you. And while the band are padding, I'd like to uh, tell you a story about this place. I told you at the beginning, I love barbecue, American food. And uh, a few years ago, I was at a conference and uh, with a bunch of friends out in the States. And uh, it was amazing. Like, the conference was amazing. Worship was powerful. There was probably about 1,000 people in the venue. And uh, God just showed up big time. And uh, we were all just getting blasted. Uh, had the goosebumps going on. You know, if you're going to rank top three moments of the Lord, like, it's probably one of those. You know, it's like we're getting commissioned to go change the world. And um, I can't really, you can start the pad whenever you want. Just a, a C would do. <laughs> Just changing songs. Cool. This is all live, guys. Um, See, so yeah, it's powerful. The band are playing. <laughs> Come on. And uh, the conference finishes, and we all decide to go out for some food. And so me and Em and a bunch of our mates, we go to this place, just down the road, Famous Dave's. And uh, we're... We go to our table, we're sat down, and we're just having loads of fun, like sort of talking about what happened at the conference, and we're all just getting encouraged. Um, and the waitress comes over, she takes her order. She actually had a pad, she remembered <laughs> what we were doing. Um, so she wasn't as cool as the Hard Rock Cafe guy. Um, and so we're, doing all, so we're having this moment, and um, we have our food, we're eating our ribs and burgers and hot wings and just having loads of fun. We're flying home the next day. And um, I say to the room, uh, well, not the room, I say to our table, um, guys, I feel like God's talking to me about the waitress. And I feel like what the picture I see is I see her, um, and she's saving all of her tips. And I see, like, her kitchen, and there's, like, tip jar, and it's got tips for holiday. And I feel like she's a single mum, she's got some kids, and she, it's like her dream is to take them on holiday, but she just can't do it financially, but she feels like the hard life they've had is this holiday, she's pinning all her hope on getting them away. And I feel like God's showing me this story, and I'm wondering if we could just like radically bless her with crazy generosity, are you up for it? We all just been in worship, we're all blasted, we're like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So we all just see how many dollars we've got, and we, we get, get it all together. And um, anyway, she comes back, like we get the bill, and then she comes to like take the payment. And then I just say to her, hey, I can't actually remember her name, um, but I said, look, this might sound a bit weird, but I feel like God was speaking to me about you. And uh, I felt like I saw a picture, and I told her of a tip jar, and it says tips for holiday. And you're like, your life's been really tough up to now, and you've just got this dream of going on holiday and taking your kids there. And you just think that would be amazing. And um, she starts to cry. And she's like, how do you know that? And I said, well, it's 
for the reason I just said, that I feel like God's real and he spoke to me about you and he cares deeply about you and we just wanted to say we care about you. And so we just said, we just pulled out this wadge of cash and we just said, we want to we wanna give this to you so that, I don't know if it can help you go on a holiday, but we just want you to get blessed. And she took it and she's crying. And then my friend who was, who was with us said, that's not all. I feel like God's talking to me about you and saying that you've got um, pain in your wrist and it's arthritis. And it really hurts like doing your job. Like you're a waitress. You've got to carry plates and drinks and work like long shift. She's like just fully like just getting melted by like how much God loves her. She's like, yeah, that's like, how do you know that? And we're like, it's the same thing with a tip jar. God's talking to us about you. Can, can we pray for you? And she says, yeah, I'd love that. So my friend prays for her. We all say amen. Um, M starts prophesying over her, just calling out like that she's an amazing mom and like all this stuff about like God's heart for her. And she gets completely rocked. And the thing is, is this story, this night, to be honest, it had both those moments for me. It had a moment at church where Jesus was present and we were all getting like encountered. But I can't remember one thing that was actually said at that conference. But I remember, distinctly remember, like God moving powerfully at famous Dave's. There was something about God's power that was released once we went. Once we went into the city to go get some food, fueled by courage, fueled by a passion to see the lost just meet with Jesus. And it just looked like something totally normal. Jesus calls these guys and says, hey, I want to make you fishers of men, language they understood. I got to say to her, hey, I feel like you're saving all your money for a holiday. And it says tips for holiday. It's language she understood. There's something about what I was saying to her that just like captured her heart. And we told her about the church we'd been at. And I don't actually know if she ever went there. But that's what, despite that, she encountered something that she can never get away from. For the rest of her life, she can never get away from that moment where six people just sat down and just chose to step into something that we didn't know where it was going to happen. I've done stuff like that before, and I've just been like, no, that's totally not me. And it's just been like a complete fail. But this moment was powerful. And I suppose as we go into worship now, I want to pray for us, and maybe you want to respond to um, anything that was said. We just, the team will, I don't know how you do it. Do you pray up here? Yeah, yeah, just come on, line up here. We'll just pray for you, and the team will be worshipping. And if you've got to get your kids, then while well, let Rich do all the operational stuff. Um, I won't start doing it. But yeah, why don't you just put your hands out in front of you? I'd love to pray, and we'll see what God wants to do. God, I thank you so much for meeting with us this morning. And I pray for every single person in here that there be a sense of anointing and appointing for this season, especially this season as we step into Christmas. We pray that there be conversations that would happen where we just sense like the wind of the Spirit on us just to maybe take that conversation to the next level. Maybe it looks like an invite. Maybe it looks like an encouraging word, an opportunity to pray for healing. God, that we would step into it. And I pray for this church that we, that I pray for this church that it would be a family on mission. That's what it feel like. We're a family, but we're also, we feel like a mission to go change the world. And so we worship you today. And we thank you for what you're doing. Amen. Amen.